Welcome everybody to Lore and Poor. Tonight I am joined by a super special guest. I am joined by Ernest, aka Hollow Invective, the number one leading expert on Kuatoa. And guess what tonight's topic is? It's Kuatoa. What are the odds? Uh, hey, Ernest, what's up? Hey, yeah, yeah. I've um, I've actually uh, studied. Uh, I'm actually I consider myself an antiquarian of sorts uh, in uh, in uh, obscure and arcane lore and uh the kuatoa fascinate me i i they are they're they're um, amazingly uh fractured yet mentally resilient creatures yeah i've done a little bit of kuatoa uh studying up on prior to this interview just so that i you know had my uh p's and q's in order and was able uh, to answer or ask some uh, articulated uh, questions about the, the amazing, amazing creatures. But before we get into any of that, Ernest, we have to start every episode of Lauren Porter by asking, what are we drinking tonight? Well, um, I started off the night with a uh, with a, um, a healthy dose of Templeton rye, uh, which I, I, I love. But the problem is I can only get it in Iowa. So I have to have friends from <laughs> Iowa bring it back to me because uh, I don't want to go there. It's just corn and, and booze there. It's kind of boring. It's all I got. Uh, it's all I got, you know. Uh, so I have to have them bring that back to me. So I had some uh, a generous amount of Templeton rye uh, and uh, a bit of gin. But then I'm polishing things off right now with a pack IPA uh, made by Wolf's Ridge Brewing. Um, I don't know where the hell that is, but... Uh, this is a uh, 6.8% uh, alcohol by volume. Uh, this is 12, uh, 12 fluid ounces in my can. That's that's a pretty gnarly name. Wolf's Ridge? Wolf's Ridge Brewing. Uh, established 2013. <laughs> All right, so they've, they've had eight years Ohio. to cut their shit. Ohio. Oh. Ohio craft beer. <laughs> yes. Me and Ernest are both in Ohio at the moment. Yes. Unfortunately, Ohio is a pretty big state and we are at north and south, uh, pretty much the polar opposite ends <laughs> from but, each other. You know, I, I think that, you know, we can really be lucky and say that we're not in California where we would be 20 plus hours from each other. Yeah, we're max maybe like six hours, five or six hours or so, I, depending I mean, on how fast you drive. Yeah, I could probably, I could, you know, I mean, I could probably do it in four and a half but you know, I, <laughs> you know yeah, but, but but not while drinking drink responsibly that's true <laughs> not while drinking all that rye and then these uh wolf ridge beers <laughs> i of course am drinking oh you know what i say of course thinking like i was gonna say uh dirty dues again tonight's been kind of wild so at first i didn't have enough uh diet mountain dews cold in the fridge so I had to mix my Kettle One vodka with Diet Coke, which I don't have a name for those. Um, I, did, I had to do two of those in the time of my uh, Diet Mountain Dews to get cold. So I had two of those, and then I had one Diet Dew all during Doom Clock, and then I have now switched to um, Blue Raspberry Moonshine, Smoky Mountain Moonshine uh, with Diet Mountain Dew. I don't have a name for those either, but I've I've just had a a lot of different not only soft drinks but also liquor time uh, types tonight. So should be a it should be a fun one. 
you play a dangerous game. It is. Once you mix it, I've got one shot of fireball. I think maybe one and a half shots of fireball left uh, in my freezer. And I may somewhere here, like midway break of this episode, I may go and take that real quick um, as this dwindles down. Yeah, I've got some corn liquor like in my cabinet and it looks like like the the canister looks like a um, like a pink thinner can. (laughs) (laughs) That should be uh, that should be a fun time. Before we have to uh, take a, a break and refill our, our mugs, um, Ernest, uh, you as the Kuatoa expert, um, what's the deal with these slimy little guys? Can you kind of give like a like a start to finish overview of these things for our listeners? Sure. So Kuatoa. So imagine if you had a little only a smidgen of creativity and you might be st joshi who's sniffing anything that belongs to lovecraft right uh and you have kuatoa they are essentially madness capacitors they are about five feet tall uh roughly from time you know sometimes a little taller sometimes a little shorter and they uh, tend to live in the underdark or like aquatic environs and the thing about Kuatoa are is that they have been um, terribly abused by uh, by the people who they have been unfortunately in proximity to, um, mo- uh, most egregiously the illithids. Uh, you know, we all there was I think there was an episode about illithids at some point. Mind flares. Illithids had experimented on these little bastards, and they and it made them and it made them mad, shattered their minds, broke it up like peanut brittle and try to put it all back together. And, you know, when someone abuses me, I run. And, uh, you know, luckily they were still of the right mind to run themselves. Uh, and with that, they uh, they ran to some of the, the darker, more uh, wetter environs of the Underdark and uh, even some of the, uh, the more uh, underwater regions of the Underdark. Uh, and uh, they wanted protection. They wanted to feel safe. So they prayed to the, the idea of being, of being safe, but they but they're nuts, right? They're they're they they are they're mad. They've got they have all this illithid influence, and so in this terrible reciprocal circle jerk, they they start to pray to things that start to exist that then empower them to have divine powers to defend them from the things that they are having trouble with. And that's like, that's like modern day. So they, it sounds like they're pretty religious beings. Very, very religious. They have a very ritualistic society, a very, a very deep, uh, a very deep culture involved around their communities. Uh, they're very suspicious of outsiders. And uh, they are they are willing to betray you at a moment's notice if it, if it means that they are going to if they or their people are going to prosper. I mean, even in some communities, even they like stabbing each other if they think they're going to benefit. You know, just depending. So are they? I mean, obviously, it sounds like they've been treated kind of like dirt from everybody they've ever come across. Uh, Ill said. Yeah, the other thing is the dr- the the drow or dro if you're you know if you're feeling if you're feeling nasty. <laughs> 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 
with them being so just punished by these other uh, races and things, yeah, it seems like they are rightly so to be so suspicious and I think you said mad, insane? Yeah, they. I mean, the, the so we all know about illithids. I, I'm not the illithid expert, but we do know that illithids are psychic creatures, and they inflicted a madness on the Kuatoa. Now that that's the side effects of that is they were able to generate their own gods from nothing uh, and empower themselves oh. uh, to defend themselves from the very things that had, had ravaged them. So I I want to I want to touch back on on the kind of religious um, benefits of being able to like create gods and stuff. Obviously, we got to get back to that. Yeah, what, absolutely. What, what do these little What do these little dudes look like, though? So Kuatoa are well, they are they range from purples to greens to blues. Imagine a frog, and okay. then. You stand that frog up on its hind legs. And then you put a fish head on the frog. Okay. All right. And you get some really wiry arms. Like maybe you've been working too long and, you know, too long in the fields. You have these like tawny, wiry arms. You know, they yeah. still have, yeah, they still have like five, they still have like, you know, five digits. You know, they have, you know, four head, you know, four fingers, fingers and a thumb. You know, <laughs> you know, but they've got this, you know, forward facing fish head. With uh, you know, with like ridges on the back, fins. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure you know talking about you know, uh, you know, uh, love. You know, talking about Lovecraft and other people who have uh, who have worked in sort of the cosmic horror department. Uh, you know, you know, in writing about Kuatoa, writing about things like Kuatoa or or Yongathon uh, or all sorts of other uh, or Dagon. They're fish people. They're fish people. Fish amphibious sort of people. They uh, they can swim. They have like they have dark vision. Uh, some uh, some even say they would have uh, infravision or ultravision, depending on uh, you know uh, you know what version of the lore you're really looking at. Uh, you know they uh, they are aquatic. They um, they can swim under the water. They're terrifying. They're probably more terrifying underwater than they are on land. Personally, that's my personal summation of them. Yeah, they sound so. I, Adam, am uh, pretty, pretty afraid of uh, open water in general. So if uh, a swarm of these little dudes came up uh, swimming up towards me, I'd probably be pretty scared. But uh, so you said that they can they can create their own gods. Yes, uh, yes. It's a very interesting sort of like uh, sort of process because. They were hurt by very powerful psychic beings, very powerful psychic creatures. And in that, uh, in the hurt that has been caused by them, they needed protection. They wanted protection. They wanted to be safe. Uh, and, but there, there weren't any gods that really were looking out for them. There weren't anybody that, I mean, as per their history, no one was truly looking out for the Kuatoa. But they, in their, in their in their psychic inflicted madness created help that they needed and then their belief in that uh in that in those gods or they have they actually have one big chief god and other smaller gods and in that uh in their madness they created this god it, it rose up and then empowered them so it's sort of like you know they believe in it and it believes in them believing in it and for and and as reward for this reciprocal belief it gives them some powers. 
that seems like the Kuatoa are, are a pretty dang powerful uh, race of creatures to be able to dr- just dream up their own god. Is there one god or is there multiple gods? Well, there are multiple smaller gods. There's a there's one major god. Uh, their names are God. What is that name? It's you know because it sounds so silly because they have this this, yeah. this terrible like it's like block up. I vaguely remember bloop 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 bloop. Beta dole, holup. Okay, that sounds more legit than what I just said. I said poop. I said poop in there. I mean, uh, there, I, I mean, I mean, poop and poop. You know, there's only <laughs> a thin thin line between there, right? It's the oop. It's the oop. You know, and like I'm not amphibious, uh, you know, so you know that's 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 rough. I'm sure it sounds better when they're underwater or they're yeah, talking to each true. other with their gills or something, and they can, you know, do some sort of ululation. But uh, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that there's some like uh, some smaller gods, bigger gods. Um, what, in your opinion, is the expert is like the coolest god they've made? There are um, there is a there there are certain tastes uh, among um, among Kotoa. Uh, there are art priests, war priests. Uh, there are whips. Uh, whips are sort of like people who like uh, defend land, uh, defend the area, defend the crash, um, which is a word they actually stole from the Gifyanki. Oh. Which is that's weird, yeah. Um, you know, it's a word that they share, but the uh, there are actually uh, Kuatoa um, leviathans. Oh, um, you know, there are and there are other there are other priests. There are uh, they uh, some uh, they're actually they uh, they have changed the nature of some of the de- of the ends of the underdog. Some of the other like. Uh, Extra planar beings, of the underdog. They actually, um, they sometimes worship Demogorgon, but they can't say Demogorgon because they're fish people, <laughs> you know. So they, so, so it's like Demogorgon, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you know, and, and Demogorgon, I suppose, is fine with it uh, because he has to be. I suppose you get what you can get in the underdog. Yeah. Demogorgon's a pretty cool dude, uh, in my opinion. Uh, do these, uh, uh well, I, I'm sure we will eventually circle back to some of the more religious, uh, f- focuses on these creatures, but, um, just for some funsies questions, do these things have, like, any kind of pets? Because they're fish, right? Fish, it. Right, fish, right. Et, fish adjacent. Well, you know, uh, the problem is with pets is that um, pets can betray you. <laughs> you did mention they're highly suspicious. I mean, sometimes they cooperate with deep gnomes, but that's not really a pet situation. That's more right. like a, uh, like a, I guess you're okay right now. Um, but there's not, you know, you know actually, you know, I mean, they, they have this sort of sea slug thing. Oh, Okay. Um, you know, it's um, it's like a giant sea slug. It's uh, it's called a saluyuan, and uh, they um, so I mean that's sort of like a pet, but they're more like a like a transportation sort of thing, really. Mm-hmm. You know, they use them to get around. Uh, they're a mount, 
Um, you know, uh, they've also been known to use uh, sea crabs to uh, to like lay waste to their enemies, to attack people. But no, I I mean, I have a hard time calling those pets. More like engines of war Companions, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, like if like I couldn't picture one having like a fucking hamster, because you'd right. be like, "Hey, is this hamster gonna turn on me? Are they gonna? Are they working with the illithid? I should probably just eat this thing. I'm gonna eat this thing, and then yeah. nom nom nom." Yeah, yeah. I, I just I have a real big problem with seeing like pets in their culture. You know, I just you know I haven't uh, you know I in my research I haven't really uh, divined anything that looks more like a pet, but things that are but things that look like tools. That, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, some people are friends with their horse. Now, Akua Toa, Akua, if Akua Toa had a horse, one, they'd probably eat it. But if they had a horse-like thing, they probably, it's, it's, it's a thing to be used to to make good on some sort of action. So you just mentioned eating horses, and I did mention eating hamsters. Uh, that brings me to my next question of what do these things eat? Well, uh, you know, it's funny they are able to eat a lot of things. Um, you know, they're able to eat uh, people, uh, each other, dark gnomes, uh, the slugs, crabs, anything they can really get their hands on. Because uh, even though they're fish people, they're fish people with opposable thumbs, uh, which is terrifying. And they also, uh, you know, they have teeth. I've seen pictures. They have sharp teeth. Yeah, the, the teeth are just in there. And, like, they can just... You know, they can just, you know, they can just nom down and just om nom nom, you know. So, like, it's really anything they anything. get their hands on. Any, anything. Anything they, anything they can really get their hands on. I mean, you know, of course, you know, in lean times, of course, there's, you know, there's kelp and shrimp and other things, you know, and other, and, uh, the, and some of the mushrooms that grow in the Underdark. But, you know, uh, when they're raiding, uh, you might find that a uh, Kuwatoa might like you for dinner. No date. No date. Just, uh, just meal. Yeah. So, speaking of them having sharp teeth and what they eat, do they have any kind of natural predators? Because I think Kuwato. I mean, they don't. Okay. I I want to word this correctly. I don't think they look tasty, but I think they would be tasty if that makes sense. So, do they have any kind of natural predators that are trying to get down on some fish sticks? I think that Kuatoa's natural predators consist of their enemies. I think that uh, in a in sort of an ecological like environment, their direct enemies uh, in competition for either resources or just direct spite functions as their as any sort of natural predator would in any in any other environment. All right. So pretty much anybody that has any kind of beef with them. If they kill them, they're probably gonna eat them too because they look so dang tasty. Except, yeah, I mean, probably except for the illithids. The illithids would probably, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The illithids are probably would just kill them spitefully because they they probably don't see much brain value in the Kuatoa. Which, uh, yeah, I think that checks out. I think they'd probably like just scientifically speaking, probably be you know pretty smaller brain mass not to any fault of their own but just to the sheer uh psychic torture they've put up with for a millennia right so yeah i don't think the illithids are really you know eating them so much as just you know giving them uh what they would probably feel has come up and but you know 
the elephants think everything is comeuppance because you know yeah. they're 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 paranoid too. Hey, I think comeuppance may have been a word I was looking for in Doom Clock um, a couple hours ago, so I want to snip that and just edit it into Doom Clock. Anyway, talking, talking. I want to talk about. I guess I don't. I don't want to talk about this, but I think we have to. Uh, my producer is saying that we've got to answer this question. I don't want to. Okay. But All right. um, that's why I'm here. Just talking birds and the bees, or birds and the fish, or fish and the bees. Um, okay. How do these things make babies? All right. So um, they're similar to fish in that way. They are like a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, females, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, femme, uh, typed, uh, kuatoa lay eggs in pools and, uh, they're fertilized by males and, um, you know, they can grow up and uh, they can grow up as little tadpoles or fish sort of looking things. Oh, now there is, a, now there is a different, uh, way that they can breed. Cause I know what you're getting at. I know what your producers are getting at. Yeah. Kuatoa are quite capable of interbreeding with humans to produce. Oh. Tritons? Is that how tritons come about? Uh, you know, uh, it's actually, uh, the offspring of Kuatoa and humans are actually very similar to just a very plain human, except for maybe some gills. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, because, shit. Because that allows the Kuatoa to have an agent in human society. Yeah. We just need to do that kind of blanket statement about them. Fertilize, the males fertilize the eggs of the, the females. That's all we need. We don't need to dip, delve any further like how the males fertilize or whatever. Anyway, um, so... What are what are some like the common so you know like human names like Ted Adam Ernest? Uh, right. What are some of the common Kuatoa names? And do you have any like favorites? Well, you know there there's us there's Shusha the Awakened. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, you know there you know there's Noga there's Kurapop. Uh, you know uh, there are um, you know there are. Several uh, Kuatoa. The Kuatoa actually, uh, before they were ruined, had a very, um, had a very uh, powerful uh, arcane tradition in times past, um, and uh, they had she had cities above the ground, and they were uh, they had the city of Luashar. So it sounds like just a but to me, an uneducated human brain. It sounds like it's just like random letters thrown together. Yeah, you know, it, I, uh, it does just sound like a lot of letters thrown together. Um, and you know, it said you have to you have to think about you know what like you know what vowel sounds would be uh, and what sort of like sounds that would be produced by a by a fish-like creature who could you know ululate uh, you know under underwater. You know they, um, you know they can, oh. they, they're speaking each other with more, with more, with more vibrate, with more vibratic voices, and uh, so things like Ernest, you know, would probably seem very just kind of clipped and ridiculous. You know, why would I not? You know, you you've got giggles and you're <laughs> yeah. If I like, if I'm in a if I'm in a swimming pool or something, 
and I'm, I'm trying to talk to somebody that's also underwater, I can pretty much make like three different letter sounds. I could go all like, and I guess they just carry that back up to the surface. Yeah, you know, I, I, I feel, you know, I, I feel that, um, you know, in my studies, I've come across uh, not a ton of, of, of direct land dwelling, um, uh, land dwelling Kuotoa, but, uh, you know, they, they sort of have this thing, uh, as they, you know, it's, uh, it's almost like an impediment because th- this isn't their native environment. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they were probably before the asshole Ilfids came and, uh, kicked their shit in to make them go down to the Underdark, they're probably, like, mostly water-dwelling creatures. I mean, at least that's what they look like they would be. Well, they... So, Goetel history is is complex. They 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 actually had a very complex and very learned, very storied uh, beginnings. uh, And uh, they actually weren't... uh, According to some scholars I've conversed with, they actually weren't always amphibious. Uh, but oh. they they actually evolved amphibious traits over time, and their and their water actually uh, actually went under. Their empire eventually uh, went underwater uh, during due to skirmishes with sea elves. Dang! So it sounds like the Kuotoa are just getting attacked by so many different factions from from the get go. It didn't even stand a chance. Yeah, they were just living their lives, and then oh suddenly, God. and then just suddenly, sea elves, illithids, eldritch monsters, aboliths, and eventually, <sighs> you know, their their de- the degradation under the illithids was really what broke it. I mean, they were, I mean, they 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 were they were being inbred, and there were other creatures that were doing rituals to. Uh, to you know, to try and exact some type of price for their own gods, and now the Illithids—I mean, sorry, the Kuotoa—who we have now—they're mad. They have gods. They have a god they've created in their own in their own madness, and they have and they and since they and since they believe this is just a god who existed because they didn't. There was no god before. Uh, there were, okay, there were other gods, but there weren't. There weren't Kuotoa gods before their god just arrived out of their madness. And now, but they believe, oh, this is the god we had all the time. We prayed and here it was. So, they're doing dark rituals to it, to empower it, to empower themselves. They don't see it that way. They see it as religious devotion. But it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's really, really strange feedback site. Feedback. How, how many Kuotoa tend to live like in a community together? Um, well, it really depends. Um, you know, uh, you can see, uh, anywhere between, uh, a very, very small group, almost like a Thorpe, uh, really, if you were to use, like, land terms, maybe like 10, or you can see, or you can see hundreds, hundreds of Kuroto, just, you know, oh. but they try to stay out of sight for the, at least the very big, the very big ones, because they don't want to be attacked randomly, they want to live their lives, and they do want to raid sometimes if they see a chance, because they are... They still have that that spirit of domineering inside of them. I, w- I want to kind of pivot back a little bit more to more the the religious uh, sect of the Kuoto because I feel like that's so it's so interesting to me, like how they can like just kind of like dream up their own their own gods, and it's, it seems like the Kuoto are actually a pretty powerful 
uh, faction in uh, in D and D and D and D five E, especially like just being able to dream up their own god. So if if you had to pick like the coolest god that you think that they dreamt up, like who would who would who would be your favorite? You know, I think that their that their um, their chief god is actually very interesting. Their chief god uh, serves as a uh, as sort of a mother figure. So you know, you're you're looking at this from like a like a mythological standpoint, from a from a creation myth slash you know classic mythology standpoint. The because myth is a way to look at the world through the eyes of a uh, of a of a group of people uh, to understand uh, their societal values. Uh, the things they uh, the things they hope for, the things they fear, uh, the way that they understand reality around themselves. So, for me, interestingly enough, um, their chief god is um, is uh, is femme aspected, and it's a mother figure, and it's uh, it's a uh, to give a description, it's a unbelievably tall, nude nude human esque looking woman with a lobster's head and some claws. <laughs> oh dang, that sounds terrifying. And this and she is filled with the rage of the pain that her children have suffered. She embodies uh, she embodies their pain, their suffering, their their enmity towards other other people. They're just just there's so there's so much to unpack there. Just their their need for you know their need for succor, their need for their need for promise, their need for hope, their need for comfort. And enough of them prayed together, uh, you know, uh, and sought this mother figure, and then it came. Yeah, I don't, I don't really question her. Uh, kind of doubts and fears and uh, motivations considering what the Kuatoa have been through uh, and her fearing and being angry about their persecutions throughout all of time it sounds like from Illithid to sea elves to humans to everybody that have just kind of drow it sounds like they've they literally were just like on the surface got driven down from the illithid and the humans and the sea elves uh driven down to the underdark get down to the underdark and then just drow just like you know what i fucking hate you guys too and then drove them more mad more and hunted them down more i i'm kind of on team um big lobster lady and uh i agree that i would also be angry if i was these little cute fish guys god yeah, she she's incredibly she's incredibly angry. She's incredibly mercurial. Um, she uh, you know, she she embodies a she she is myth born from madness uh, because she embodies a lot of the suspicion, a lot of the hatred, a lot of the un, unsurety, a lot of the uh, the a lot of the actual madness. There is there is said to be great madness in. Her eyes, if you were to look too deep. Before this interview, if 
I would probably say nine out of 10 people probably that haven't listened to this episode and haven't actually studied Kuatoa before would probably say that Kuatoa are just like the goofy, funny fish people, right? Like they probably don't really know this like tortured backstory about them. And like, they probably think like, oh, you know, they're, I think a lot of people might know like Kuatoa are pretty like, um, I think the word is like insane or crazy, but I don't think people like know like why, which is actually a pretty deep seated reason of why they're like that. And it's because they've just been hunted and uh, pretty much like massacred by, or, or at least subjugated by every single race in D and D that they've came across. Right. It's been a harrowing time. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, coming from a, uh, you know, the, for them to go from a very learned, very, uh, a, to a, a very literate society, uh, where they actually had a tradition of wizardry to, oh, shit. to this, uh, to this very, to this very primal tribal feudal society now is, is, it's sad. It's weird because what we usually do on this show is leave off on a general kind of tip for if you could only give an adventuring party. Say you're say there's a, a party of four actual D D players that are about to um, encounter uh, whatever the subject of the evening is. Uh, what would your tip be? Uh, you know, uh, honestly, for- I'd, I'd, I'd run like hell. And I'll tell you why. They, their madness is contagious. Oh, is it? Yes. To, uh, a long enough time exposed to Kuatoa can it actually affect you with a, a uh, piece of, the, of, of their madness. So I would just leave. I would simply leave. <laughs> oh. Well, you know why that's so fun for me? Is because in campaign two of Half Party Heroes, one of the players is a Kuatoa. <laughs> so that is going to be very interesting to see how that is going to play out. But yeah, you heard it here from the expert on Kuatoa. If you're a player in DD campaign, you come across a couple Kuatoa, you should probably just leave. Um, I've threw I've thrown a couple Kuatoa at my players before, and it's always gone pretty bad, pretty quick. So I agree with Ernest. You should just leave. And uh, with that last setting, uh, sad piece of <laughs> piece of advice <laughs> to run. Um, just run. Yeah, just run, um, Ernest. Let's start to wrap things up. Where can people find you at when you're not just studying up on Kuatoas all day? Well, uh, when I'm not studying Kuatoas, I'm Hollow Invective. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Hollow Invective. Uh, you can also find me with the Majestic Goose Network, and I am uh, I am starting a uh, a shiver game of my own, uh, calling it Aeon Archives. Uh, which is going to be uh, Warehouse 13 inspired or Warehouse 13 SCP inspired but because uh, uh, I feel like that uh, Shiver has a very uh, lends itself well to to episodic TV or things that are yes. based around episodic TV yes 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. I I cannot wait to see more and more Shiver content out in the world. And I think that like as we as people and us, uh, we make more content for Shiver. I think that it will grow in popularity because I think it's a very good system. I I like it a lot. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, yeah, uh, you can find Ernest also on um, Doom Clock with me as a as a director as it's called in shiver um we actually just right before this episode recorded our third hunt uh which will be episodes five and six on the podcast i believe if i'm doing math right um and yeah it's a very fun horror comedy uh time traveling adventure where uh Ernest and Danny and Jeremy and Joe are all players. And uh, it's my second ever uh, homebrew campaign. So go and check that out. Give us a five star rating review on that show and this show if you haven't yet. Um, and if you haven't yet, give us a review on the show. What are you waiting for? It's like episode like 10 or 11 now. We're yeah. getting up there. So go go do that. Um, also, yeah, uh, check out uh, Half Hearted Heroes because... Um, Halfway to Heroes campaign two, there will be a Kuatoa in it. So listen to Ernest's advice and uh, check out w- what will follow um, on campaign two and how things go. <laughs> and with that, uh, remember that at least probably half of what we talked about tonight is probably true. Uh, so thank you all, and uh, we'll see you all later. Bye, everybody. heroes darker grittier and much more dignified than campaign one we see the forever storm a 50 mile wide storm centered on the severed key though dangerous it is vital to the survival of nearly every being in this slice of pizzazz <laughs> this source of energy <laughs> I forgot the name. For <laughs> you motherfuckers! <laughs> I forgot the name. Pizzazz or bizazz? Bizazz. It sounds like he said pizzazz. It's supposed to be bizazz or whatever. You know what? I you know what? I knew that was gonna happen. I forgot all about it. <laughs> okay, maybe not. But either way, join us every other Tuesday wherever you get your podcast as we start a brand new story featuring four monsters that has put aside their differences if they're to stop the armies of men once and for all. A Majestic Goose Podcast. Honk.